understand the, the many blessings that we have because of what uh, you have done in not only sending your son, but giving us your word that we can trust in Jesus' name, amen. You know, as, as you look at the title here, it, it might be, bring up a, a different thought than I am shooting for here, uh, if you can see it, Breadgate. Uh, we, have, we have, throughout the Gospels, and especially in John, um, the evidence that Jesus' ministry was filled with conflict and controversy. He had the, the miracles that evidenced who he really is, that he has the authority and the responsibility, and yet the authorities did not accept him. And, and when you look at it, that's scandalous. And so we have the gate ending of our passage here, and we find in this passage, Jesus speaks out about he is the bread of life. And in this passage, we, you know, in John chapter 6 and throughout the Gospels, um, it, it wasn't all about the authorities not believing. Jesus confronted all the people. And what was the conflict? Jesus is more than a miracle worker, right? Jesus is more than a miracle worker, and, and this, these miracles were pointing people to the reality that they should believe in Jesus Christ, right? That's simple enough, isn't it? Believe. You see the miracles? Believe. But it's very difficult. Very difficult. We are seeing conflict in our world today, as always. I tend to agree with those who, who see that some, not all, some leaders gained power or a sense of power when they started to implement the mandates over COVID-19. All humans love the feeling that power, the power of authority gives them. I speculate anyway, I know. I know it's, we're all susceptible to it, don't you think? When we gain some power, not just responsibility, a lot of us don't like the responsibility, but when we have the ability to say something and it happens, or people step in line, Every person, I believe, is susceptible to gaining a taste for that power. It's kind of like eating a potato chip. A lot of us, oh, well, yeah, I can, relate. I, I can relate to that. Eating a potato chip or popcorn. Can you eat just one? Or what was that lollipop commercial, right? How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll lollipop or whatever you call it? Tootsie Pop. What do you call those? Yeah, Tootsie Pop. You can't make it all the way. You've got to bite into it, right? We just can't get enough. Maybe we can't get it fast enough. Seems like that's the way it is with power. And, and there's a very real illustration here, even in the, Western, in the West, here in the Americas, as you look at Canada. I think it's a good example for us when we look at what the, the truckers are doing and, 
And, and the Canadian government keeps wanting implementing things, even though you know, we get into this sketchy area, and I think you're going to begin to see, hey, it was more political than scientific, especially here this last year. And so people are standing up and saying, no, you don't have the power to make us take a shot. And so when we see this, the tyranny, and, and what I say with that is because they're going beyond moving this, and I might be a person and say, hey, we've got to move this blockade so things can function again. But when they're going into bank accounts of people who've supported them and freezing bank accounts, we see how easily tyranny can occur. That's my opinion. So let's bring it back. You say, okay, Pastor Lee, that's your opinion. All right, whatever, blah, 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 blah. But how many of us are tyrants? And by a tyrant, I mean how many of us are not willing to relinquish the power or the perceived power that we think we have over our own lives? Because I think last chapter, chapter 5, and this chapter, we find that Jesus is confronting not only religious leaders, but individuals with the reality that, hey, you see the miracles... You see what they testify to. Are you willing to believe? And that belief in the Lord Jesus Christ means I am willing to say I am not enough. I do not have the power. And yet, through what, what is the problem throughout the history of mankind? We're not willing to relinquish our perceived power that we have over our own lives and simply come to the cross on bended knee. So, here in this passage, uh, we find people who don't want to give up authority or power. Whether it, uh, it's authority, uh, you know, of the religious leaders from a position that they have, or, again, individuals willing to give up what they believe they can do in their own life, trusting fully upon Jesus Christ. So we must, because of, of the one who has the power and authority, Because He is the one that we need for life, we must relinquish that power. He is the one who will sustain us. And so today, as we scan over John 6, we need to grasp just how much we need Jesus, who is God's seal and the bread of life. So we will investigate and chew on how Jesus is God's representative and how Jesus is the bread of life. Both point to how the genuine believer in Jesus is continually sustained for eternity. Are you a genuine believer in Jesus? First, we need to chew on the fact that Jesus is God's certified representative. And the key verse for this thought is verse 27. And we are going to miss a lot of little Wonderful and important truths in this passage, okay? So hang on with me just a little bit because um, even though we miss the, those, we, we can grasp something very important as we go through this. And what we see here in verse John 6, 27, we'll work our way up to it, is that the credit we need is Jesus, or Jesus is God's certified representative, that therefore he's kind of like a credit card, or a dollar bill. You can't get what you want unless you have 
that credit, that dollar bill. Does that make sense? Or what you need. Let's say what you need instead of what you want. So let's go back and see, first and foremost, the reality that Jesus is God's Son. He is the Son of Man, as we looked at the last chapter. But we see all of this, the reality of the prophecies coming true in Jesus through, first and foremost, and and as He goes on and as He marches towards the cross, His miraculous works and fulfillment of prophecy. But here we see His work is miraculous. And so we can ask ourselves a question as we look at this passage, or we should, why do we need to go to Jesus? And if I go to Jesus, how am I going to Jesus? Or why am I? Is it just so that he fulfills my immediate gratification? Or is it something more? Because when we look here in this passage in verse 1, after these things Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias and a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And so he goes to the mountain and this is a passage where we find in the Gospel of John where he feeds the people. And so we could spend a lot of time here on this passage and this miraculous feat where Jesus feeds them. But I want you to, to ask just a question here is why do the people follow him? Now, number one here in verse two, well, he had the signs of his miraculous healing. If we were to jump down to verses 24 through 30, again, his miraculous signs, here in this immediate text, right? You know, and... We're not really going to hit touch base on verse 4, the importance of the time of the year when it happened, the Passover. But here we find that they need to buy bread in verse 5. And and Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he was asking the disciples in verse 7, the 200 denarii, that's a lot of months of work to try to feed these people. In verse 8, we find that uh, his disciples again are, are, are saying to him that they're, and, and I don't know what they're thinking, maybe we can find more food. This lad here in verse 9 has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they amongst so many people? In verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down and we see a wonderful miracle take place where he fed them all. In verse 12, they were filled When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets. Now there's some significance, they believe, with that number, right? The 12 tribes. He has 12 disciples. But with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign, I think this is an important word in this passage. Right? Verse 2. This verse, the sign of his miracle. Hmm, We'll come back to that. Take notice when you see it again here in just a little bit. But this was to point to the reality that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He is the one who had been promised the Messiah. 
And so here we have his miraculous provision of food, of bread and fish. And there was left over many basketfuls. So Jesus perceiving, look at verse 15. Okay, verse 14, they saw the sign which he had performed. They said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Verse 15, so Jesus perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. So they're seeing, hey, this is a prophet that was foretold of. He is the one who has given us this food. We believe in him to some extent. See where we are. Sandy, would you click on the next slide or two? I'm a little behind. One more. Thank you. They see this miracle and they begin to follow him, but they still want to do it their way. Now, so Jesus goes away. We'll come back to this in just a minute. But Jesus goes away uh, into the mountain. The disciples eventually go across the sea. And, you know, later on we find that the people are, are surprised because Jesus does get across the sea. In verse 25, they're surprised. Now, John's account points uh, very briefly to Jesus' miraculous power to walk on water in verses 17 through 20. And it also points to his miraculous sudden arrival, or their miraculous sudden arrival, to the other side in verse 21. But we're not going to take time on that. But notice, he has power and authority over creation, over nature, and time and distance. Right? (laughs) Gets in the boat, boom! They were to the shore. All of this, all of these miracles point to that Jesus Christ is the one that we should believe and trust in and put our full full hope in. And the question would be, do we believe in Jesus' claims? Now, they seem to believe. Now, what did they need? Notice here, as we move on, there's a spiritual need that Jesus is trying to point them to. And, and here in a little bit, you will see how this ties together with Jesus, our manna, the bread of life. But we'll get to that in a moment. So the thoughts here could go, the thoughts about Jesus, our manna, the bread of life could go here. But let's just wait on that for a minute. But they wanted physical food. So they get back over the, the, ocean, the, the sea, pardon me. They see that he's there. How did you get here in verse 21 or 25? And Jesus begins to point out, hey, you want physical food, but what you need is spiritual food. It's a spiritual need. Now thinking about what we just read, they also wanted a king now. They believed Jesus was the prophet to come in verse 12 through 14. And remember the question for John the Baptist in John 1.21, are you the prophet Elijah? But here, it may be an allusion to either not just Elijah, but the one prophet in Deuteronomy 18.15 who is greater than Moses. In Deuteronomy 18.15 and verse 18, 
the Lord is not only saying, hey, I'm going to give them prophets for them to be able to hear my word, but there will be a prophet that will come. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. And so they see him as a prophet, but also as a ruler. So they had a bigger picture, not only of him being one that would speak God's word, but who would rule and get rid of the oppressive Roman government. In verse 15, again here, it's miraculous that Jesus knew what they were going to do. He knew what they wanted. They wanted a king now. But not only that, let's jump down. Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, so they found him on the other side of the sea, and they're like, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, seek me. You seek me not because you saw signs. There's that word again. They saw signs pointing to who he is. But because you ate of the loaves and were filled, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Now that seal is where I get this first point, this first thought about him being God's certified representative. God set his seal on Jesus. Jesus is God's representative. We know that. We look at the Son of Man. We go back to chapter 1, and Jesus, we beheld him, right? The glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. But he became flesh. He added humanity. And the Son of Man is God incarnate, Jesus Christ. And they are to believe in the Son of Man because of the signs, and yet they still are looking for physical help. They wanted to be fed continuously, physically. And so Jesus confronts them in these verses, and, and we're, we'll come back to it just a little bit, I hope. But in verse 28, Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? So it wasn't that they just wanted to, hey, have food. They were willing to work, unlike many today, maybe, <laughs> right? But Jesus said to, answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. And so when we look at this passage, Jesus is confronting the religious leaders. He's confronting these people with the reality that they can't get there on their own. The only credit they can get is through him. The only one they need is him. And the only way that they can find eternal life is him. Faith in Jesus is what he is addressing. Faith in him. He wants them to believe in him as the son of God, the son of man. And we don't see the Son of God in this passage, but in chapter 5 we see this. But Jesus is fully God and fully man. We do see that he, he points to the reality that he is God the Son. Their need, therefore, is, is spiritual and it is eternal. And that's what he begins to address. And look at verses 55 and 56. We're jumping around. I encourage you to read through this passage this week. Look at all the the. the wonderful truths that Jesus throws out there to them for them to see that they need him. Verse 55. When we get to this passage, it's going to be hard to understand, so we're going to spend a little bit of time in it coming up. 
But Jesus says, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Very symbolic. It is not literal other than the reality Jesus is a sacrifice. The Lamb of God. And he had to take on flesh. The Son of Man in order to be the sacrifice. And only in Him do they find salvation. But the people here, as we go back, so put that down for a little bit. Stop thinking about this very hard passage to think about, which really is simple. And go back and think about what did they need? What were they seeking or follow? Why were they seeking or following Jesus? They wanted immediate needs filled. Maybe they wanted their eternal need filled, eternal life. But they were focused on the immediate. They were focused on the physical, not the spiritual. And fascinating, and we'll come back to the sign again, but there was more than enough sign to point out that Jesus is the Messiah. So they believed, but they wanted to do it their way. They wanted to make him king now. But as we look at this passage, Jesus is God's certified representative. That is, he is the credit, the seal, who has paid for our needs. And now the problem is, do we see what, they, what we truly need? That we need spiritual sustenance and eternal life. Do we look beyond the now? I struggle with it, do you? Struggling with looking beyond the immediate I mean, I can look down the road. I'm thinking, man, my parents uh, are my grandparents' age, and I'm my parents' age, and am I in my midlife crisis? Wait a second, no. Are we looking beyond that to eternity? You know, the genuine believer in Jesus is, is going to understand and come to the point that The only sustenance I receive is in Christ daily. I need Him daily. And if I look to Him daily, I will have a a better ability to grasp the big picture instead of the immediate picture. If I can come to Jesus, if I'm a true believer clinging to Jesus daily, then, then the things that are around me right now that are frustrating me, that are difficult, and I'm thinking, I have to fix it. I have to do it. It's in my power. Perhaps we should be relinquishing them, but when we're clinging to Christ, it's more, a lot easier to hand it over to Jesus and let Him take the reins. So, Second, we need to also chew on how Jesus is a bread of life. Got that? Chew on? All right. Chew on the fact that Jesus is a bread of life. And that the sustenance, again, we need is Jesus. And so we're kind of going back to this reality. But look at verse 35 and 36. 35 and 36. Yeah, we're jumping around. So yeah, again, I encourage you to kind of look over all of this. About 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. 
And he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. So I want you to understand Jesus is pointing out this key concept of real faith in him. To truly believe in him. Verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. A real big focus here, and I, I hope you understand the security of your salvation. If you have truly believed in Jesus, you will not be lost. Jesus will lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son, so here's the Son of God, right? But also the Son of Man. But here, the Son of God, because of my Father, the everyone, that everyone who believe, beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. And so what Jesus is getting into here, and, and we... I probably should have started at verse 30, right? But what Jesus is getting into is that he is the bread of life. He is the manna from heaven. They go back to the Old Testament and they look at all these things and they're holding Moses. And remember last week when we talked about Jesus tell, told them, hey, I'm not going to accuse you. The one you're holding on to, the law and Moses, he will accuse you. I don't have to do it. And so they're going back and they're thinking, oh yeah, well Moses gave us the manna from heaven, you know, and all this, the sign. Look at verse 30. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign? Wait a second, people. We've talked about signs several times, remember? They saw the sign, they wanted to make him king. The sign of his miracles, they saw this sign, they saw that sign, and they come back and Jesus is confronting them and saying, hey, uh, you have to believe in me. Oh, well, what sign? What works do we need to do? No, you need to believe in me. Well, wait, show us a sign. Okay, right? Right? Did you follow that? Okay, they see the sign, his miraculous sign, and they, okay, we believe he's a king, he's a prophet, we believe in him, and yet they begin to talk to Jesus, and they want it their way, and Jesus say, no, <laughs> You have to do it my way, the Father's way. You have to believe in me. And they say, okay, then give us a sign. You see that? Are we that way? Do we want it our way? Are we willing to relinquish our power? Our perceived power, sorry. And so this is why Jesus gets into all of this. You know, verse 31, our fathers ate the man in the wilderness as it, as it is written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And this is why Jesus goes down, hey, here we are, bread gate, okay? So that was a sign. You're going to give us a sign that you're the bread from heaven? Jesus is our manna. And so The one work Jesus is saying for them to believe in, or the one work they are to do is to believe. (laughs) Faith in Jesus is the key. Jesus is the true bread from heaven in verse 32. 
Jesus also is the bread of life. And we already read these verses, but again, 35 through 37, only those who the Father gives are Jesus. And I wonder why he said this, but I'll tell you what, it had to be frustrating. Absolutely frustrating. Now, we're the, some people are calving. And I'll tell you, it's really frustrating and hard to try to get a cow down the, the chute or down into the corrals and get her around the corner and into, into the chute so that she, you could get her head locked in and you can help her get through if she's having trouble calving, right? Maybe the calf's upside down or backwards, but then she doesn't see it. The gate is right there and all she can do is turn around and look at you and try to run you over. Isn't that frustrating? That's what Jesus is dealing with. (laughs) And so he just makes a simple statement. You know what? The ones that the Father gives me are mine, and I won't lose them. That's a real brief paraphrase. Some of these people will not believe, even if they have a two-by-four or a shovel, slap them across the face, and the, the, the chute is right there. The only way for help is right there. They won't see it. All of us are that way, but praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit and His conviction in our lives. And so we get into this whole discussion, but simply, folks, if you've believed in Jesus, praise the Lord and rest in that confidence. But ask yourselves, have I truly relinquished my perceived power to the only one who can save me. Okay. I know we're flying through this. You know, the stubborn hearts of men and unbelief keeps them from Jesus, so only those who are awakened by God truly come to Him. Verses 38 through 40, we see that those who believe are chosen by God and will not be lost, but have eternal life. And their response was still, they did not believe Jesus' statement about being manna from heaven in 41 through 46. Therefore, in 41, the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. And so Jesus hits them with something harder in verse 51, and we really don't have the time to go through this. You know, the early church fathers, I mean, there might have been some that didn't see this the way they should have seen it, but this is figurative. It is grappling with the reality that Jesus had to add humanity. He is a sacrifice. It's pointing to the cross. It is not pointing to the reality of or the thinking of the churches that promote and teach that when you take communion, it becomes the literal body and blood of Christ. No, that's not what it's teaching. If you look at it in context, what do you need to do? Believe. Believe in Jesus. And so Augustine of Hippo, one of the early church fathers, wrote in one of his writings, he says it means believe and you have eaten. For the Jews, it's pointing to the fact that, hey, you think you need, and he had just done this miracle for them, right? Now he's in a synagogue teaching again, and he's pointing to the reality that, hey, you guys are looking back to the Old Testament and all these signs, and you've seen this sign. You still haven't believed in me, even though you've seen these signs, and and you're going back and you say, you want to see something like that? I am that. I am the manna from heaven. So believe. And unless you believe, unless you eat of me, 
You cannot be saved. You cannot have eternal life. And the blood, you get into that just a little bit. Uh, the blood, that would repulse them. And look at this. So when we say, when I say bread gate, here, what happens when Jesus says, unless you drink my blood? It's pointing to the cross. He is not being literal, but even in this, the Jews are saying, whoa, that is against the Mosaic law. You were not supposed to eat anything with this blood in it. That was the life blood. All the way back to Genesis, but in the law, they had to take special precautions, especially in their sacrifices, that there were, wasn't any blood remaining in the meat that they consumed. That was against the law. But Jesus is pointing to them to the reality. In short here, John 6, it does not directly speak to the Eucharist, that is the Lord's Supper, to communion. It does expose the true meaning of the Lord's Supper as clearly as any passage in Scripture that it points to the fact that Jesus is our sacrifice. He is the one who saves. And what He did on the cross was essential. Okay? In verse 57, the pronoun me replaces my flesh and my blood pointing to all of Jesus and replaces the Eucharistic picture. Look at verse 57. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of of me. And so I think it's very important for us to see that Jesus is not only the bread of life. But he is everything. Look at verse 58. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. And so when he said these things, look what happens in verse 60. Many left. This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? Verse 60. But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? So there's a lot more here in this passage, but I think for us today is we need to, to grapple with the, the idea and the, the understanding that you know Jesus is everything. He's our sustenance. He gives us all that we need. And with that, Let's take it a little further, okay? Number one, before we take it far, farther, have you placed your full faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and his, who He is and what He has done upon the cross? Have you confessed your sin to Him, asking Him into your life? That is, do you fully believe in Him? Right, kids? So kids, you probably, maybe this is a sermon you've zoned out on, Okay. Have you believed in Jesus? He's the only way for eternal life. So second, taking it farther. For those of us, oh, this is old news. I believe, yes, Jesus is the bread of life. 
Do we cling to him or feast on him daily? That is, do we go to him for everything? Is he where we get our sustenance for life? Now we have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. But I just want to challenge you to understand that unless you're willing to relinquish all your perceived power to him and cling to him, you're still struggling with the reality that Jesus is the bread of life. You're still struggling with the reality that you need him for everything. We see the disciples here, right? Uh, in this passage, let me point back to this in verses 67 to 69. And, and so most of the, dis- the disciples are the ones that had been following him, left him because of these words. And so we find here that we have the, the disciples in verse 66, uh, some who were left. So Jesus said to the 12 and 67, you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And that's why I say to you, have you come to that understanding? And yes, it's a battle. Up and down, up and down in my life. A spiritual growth and maturity. And then struggle and spiritual growth and maturity. But in all of this, remind yourself, I need Jesus and I'm going to go back to him. Whether you're in that, that valley or if you're on that high, come to the idea and the reality. I need Jesus and I'm willing to give him my life. I'm willing to give up all this perceived control that I have. And so was there con- controversy in this passage? Well, most of them left him, Right? And so, who is Jesus to you? You need to ask yourself that if you're unwilling to relinquish your perceived power. Do we go to Him just for our immediate needs? Or do we go to Him for everything? Are we compliant to his commands or his mandates? This may mean you do not comply to the world. It might. It might not. This means that you will not comply with Satan and sinful fleshly desires. But remember, the Lord Jesus, he loves you and he will not lose his children. The Father won't. Jesus will not lose those who are his. So most importantly, this means that you will cling to him, right? Because the genuine believer in Jesus is continually continually sustained for not just this life, but all of eternity. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and thank you for your patience with us and your love for us. Lord God, um, 